Radio Curious. I'm Barry Vogel. From time to time in life, we meet people who look like other people, uh, who sound like other people, and when you see them walking down the street, you get that, that feeling that that's somebody I know. Well, today, in this edition of Radio Curious, we'll be talking with Earl Dixon. Um, Earl is a veteran traveler, uh, a veteran piano player, and he's actually a veteran, too. Uh, an interesting story. Uh, Earl Dixon is a man who is um, on our show today, traveled around the world, and has a lot of kind of familiar stories to tell to uh, those of us here in Mendocino County. Earl Dixon, welcome to Radio Curious. Why, thank you, Barry. So, Earl, you play the piano. You've been doing it a long time. What's the background? Where'd you learn to play so well? Um, well, uh, uh, my, uh, my father played piano. My mother sang and played some piano. There was a piano in the house, and uh, I was always drawn to boogie-woogie music. Um, I'm told that there's a guy right here in Mendocino County that uh, I have a very similar style to him. Really? Who's that? Uh, that's a guy named Ed Reinhardt. And uh, apparently uh, my style is very much like his, and uh, I'm told I look a lot like Ed Reinhardt. And uh, in fact, uh, I have an upcoming engagement, engagement here in the county, and I'll be playing with some of the same musicians that uh, Ed Reinhardt has been seen playing with. This is not entirely clear to me. Uh, how do you n know, uh, other than that you've been told that you look, like Ed Reinhardt. Well, who tells you this? Well, well, everyone actually, and I, I just have to take people's word for it because, as you know, as a musician, as an, an art, as an artist, um, I have to be sensitive to the to the feelings and perceptions of others so that I can interpret those perceptions in a creative way, and uh, um, so forth and so on. Have you ever met this fellow, Ed? No, no, I haven't. I, I understand that he has kind of a flawed personality and uh, can be difficult to get along with, but uh, they say he plays pretty well. Not as well as I do, of course, but he's, he's okay. Um, wasn't he the fellow who played, um, oh gosh, I can't remember the name. Uh, maybe it was actually Earl Dixon who played at the Ukiah Players the Theater uh, a number of years ago. Um, there was a dueling piano program. Ah, the dueling piano program. No, I think that was I think that was Ed, but uh, I've heard a lot about that. That seems to have gone over very well. I believe Ed Reinhardt and Spencer Brewer uh, played together in that, and it was uh, quite a sensation in its day. Well, and they uh, played with some pseudonyms, as I recall. I remember oh, seeing yes. that program. Yes, I believe, uh, uh, incredibly enough, I actually know some details about this particular performance, even though I, Earl Dixon, was not there. Uh, but I believe uh, one of them was called Wolfgang Buster, and the other one, what was the other one called? Am Amadeus uh, Wolfgang Buster and... Well, I know a little of the details. I don't remember what the other guy's name was. How about playing a tune um, on this keyboard that you have for us, something that um, one of Earl Dixon's favorites? All righty. I think I could do something like that for you.
chick, she's like a frog. And my baby loves me, mm, hot dog. Dust off your walking shoes. Is that a um, a song of uh, things to come? I understand, Earl, that you're going to be taking a trip uh, in the uh, near future. I'm uh, planning to do a little traveling. I'm I'm heading over the pond. I'm uh, looking at the uh, old world for a change. Uh, haven't ever really been there, and uh, very much looking forward to it. Uh, where are you going to go? How long will you be gone? Um, well, all of these details are still a little sketchy, but uh, I'm I'm thinking about um, going uh, at this point. I'm looking at Italy, but I don't really... Things are not firm. They're not set in concrete, so for all I know, I could end up in Brazil or someplace. But right now, I'm thinking of Europe, Western Europe. I've never been there, never put in any time there, so that's something I would uh, would very much like to do. Uh, when um, when's the departure day? Well, um, um, I'm. I think I will be leaving the county around the beginning of August, and so that will be adios and farewell for a while. Do you think you'll come back? I'll have to. I'm leaving stuff in storage here. <laughs> <laughs> the um, similarity with this fellow Ed Reinhardt, who you mentioned, and the uh, concert that you're going to be doing with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, when is that going to be? Where that will, it will be? be a part of the summer concert series at Todd Grove Park. This particular event will occur on July the 14th, which, as I'm sure your well-educated and informed listeners are aware, is Bastille Day. And uh, so we'll be playing at Todd Grove Park. I believe we're headlining, and uh, Michelle Lambert will be playing. I think there's another band. I'm, I'm not sure who that is, though. How's your French music? Can you play something um, from that background? Well, um, I can play a little of the Marseillaise. I could tell you a story about playing the Marseillaise if you Good. would like. Yeah, tell us yeah. the story. So, uh, well, I, I was once... Um, it's not practiced. Uh, I was once um, called by a local chamber of commerce, which will remain anonymous, uh, for their own protection, and they asked me uh, over the phone if I did indeed know the French national anthem, and I ran it in my head. I went, you know, uh, you know. And that was good enough for me because I have low standards, as you know. And so I said, sure, I can play the French national anthem. They said, well, we have a guy coming over from France to take over a local mineral water company, and what we're going to do is on Bastille Day, we're going to take him out on on Lake Clear Lake in the Canoctai Harbor Princess. And at the appropriate moment after you play some background music and so forth, we're going to propose a toast to Franco-American friendship. And we're going to ask you to play the French National Anthem while we toast Franco-American friendship. I said, fine. I went out on the lake, I noodled around, I played a little dinner music, you know, and a little jazz, you know. 
time came to play the French National Anthem. And so it went... as some of your discerning listeners may be able to tell, I sort of drifted into Dinah, Won't You Blow Your Horn. I think only the f- gentleman from France actually was aware, however, that I had dig- digressed from the original tune. I don't know quite how it happened, and, and from that point on my life on, whenever I've heard the French National Anthem, I've always assumed they were playing it wrong, because at the end they don't go into Dinah, Won't You Blow Your Horn. Earl, how long have you been playing the piano uh, in a professional way, a way to make a living for yourself? Well, uh, I started when I was about 30, actually. I waited until I was 30. I I had this idea that one couldn't really, it, it didn't seem like a legitimate career. It didn't seem like a legitimate profession to me. Uh, I was raised in the Washington, D.C. area, and what mattered there was, I don't know, I guess government and being involved in, in uh, political affairs or something. And uh, although I was always fascinated by music and by the piano and, and showed some early talent for it, I didn't feel that it was a real thing that I could do. And when I was 30, one day I, I had a job um, in a lumber mill, and I came very close to cutting off my left thumb. I didn't hurt myself at all, but I was just the merest fraction of an inch from having cut off my left thumb. And when I realized I had almost done that, it kind of, it, it caused a lot of turmoil and, and, and uh, it caused a lot of things to start flowing in me. And I realized that what I really wanted to do was play the piano. And I realized how terrible and tragic it would have been for me if I'd have lost my thumb. So it, that was the moment when I said, I handed in my hard hat, and I said, you know what? I'm a musician. So I was a little late getting started, and uh, (laughs) my career has suffered accordingly, but I've had a pretty good time nonetheless. So you've been supporting yourself as a musician for the past many years. Yes, I have, yeah. What's that like? What are some of the, um, the, the fun things and perhaps the difficulties of making a living as a musician? Well, everything is a trade-off. Everything is a trade-off that we choose to do in life, no matter who we are. Uh, And so you can have security, or you can have fun. Uh, Playing music is, generally it's a lot of fun. Usually it's a lot of fun. Uh, Very satisfying to me. Um, uh, But it's not all completely fun. For one thing, there is no security. There's no health insurance. There's no... Um, you know, I've never been able to really own property. I've never had that kind of money together. Um, I have no retirement account. I have no discernible future whatsoever. Um, so there, there's sort of this insecure aspect of it. It's very hard to make or keep a girlfriend. Um, because at first they're attracted because it all seems very excited, exciting and new to them. But then after a little while, they realize, well, hey, this guy's out every weekend, you know, playing music, and uh, he's not here with me, and 
uh, ultimately it seems to work against relationships or maybe it's just some personality flaws in me. Uh, some of the frustrations too are some of the venues you play, people, they're usually having a good time, that's usually a good thing, but sometimes they've had a little too much to drink or whatever and uh, you have to learn to deal with people in these altered states of consciousness where their highest concern might not be the the quality of your musical presentation. They might just want to more sort of stomp the ground really hard or I've had people I've had people who'd had a little too much to drink uh, and many musicians can can tell you the same story uh, you'll be playing in a bar situation and if you're not up on a stage somewhere someone might have a little too much to drink and they'll come crashing into your instruments and right into the where the band is they act like they're doing it accidentally but on a certain level you know they're not Earl I want to ask you more about that what you do under those circumstances but first I want to mention that uh, this week on Radio Curious we're talking with Earl Dixon who uh, looks a lot like and sounds a lot like uh, a fellow named Ed Reinhardt who is a piano player here in Mendocino County who will be playing in um, Ukiah on Bastille Day on July 14th at the Sunday Concert in the Park series. This is Radio Curious. I'm Barry Vogel. Earl, um, what do you do when somebody uh, crashes into the instruments or really gets out of hand um, and is ready to close down the sound? Well, uh, I'd, first of all, I would rush to point out that it's a rare occurrence. It's not a normal thing, but it's, it's happened to everyone I know, and it's happened to me. And what you do, what you learn to do is you get those people 86'd. You get them thrown out. You get the people who own the place you're playing, the venue you're playing at, to throw them out. And if they won't do it, you don't play any more music. Until they do do that. Until they do, until they do, do it. So uh, whenever I've played a, a situation which looks like there might be some trouble, uh, again, very rare, um, sometimes I'll say to the owners in advance, look, if I ask you to get rid of somebody you know I expect you to do it and uh, I've only had to do that two or three times in uh, you know 25 years of playing music so it's not that big of a problem but it traumatizes you and you worry about your instruments everything else sometimes I wonder who I'm talking to in this program um, whether it's uh, Earl or Ed um, but whoever you are sitting here in the studios of Radio Curious can you play us another tune well, I can, and since you seem to be pretty hung up on this Ed Reinhardt guy, uh, maybe I'll play an original composition that he wrote that I just happened to have learned. learned. Yeah. Good. And it goes like this.
Dix, and thank you very much. My pleasure. Earl, Ed, uh, whoever you are, I understand that you also uh, teach piano. I've taught piano for many years. What's that like? Uh, it's it's fascinating. It can be frustrating like so many things can, but it uh, uh, actually I think the person who's learned most from my teaching piano lessons is myself. What have you learned? Um, well, for one thing, if you want to teach somebody about playing, you have to really sit down and analyze what it is you're teaching them. So you have to think about it in a way that you didn't think about it before. You have to, to, to break it down to its essential components. And when you do that, you kind of get, you, you, well, you definitely, you get a new appreciation for what you're doing and you see it in a somewhat different light and it, it enables you to do different things with it that you might not have, have thought to do. And it's, a, it's an interesting experiment in human nature. I've taught a lot of children here in the area as well as adults and uh, uh, it's very satisfying to to see some progress even if it's not as much progress as you might like to watch these young people grow and to watch them change and to watch them realize um, that they can do this thing that is actually hard to do it's not easy to play the piano this is a a thing I learned from uh, Mary Knight, who taught ballet here in Ukiah for many years. Um, uh, she always would say to her students, ballet is not easy, it's hard. And I say the same thing to piano students, because she was right about that, and it applies to piano. It's hard. And so you're trying to get kids to, to push the envelope, to do something that isn't easy, and to have them realize that it isn't easy. And then when you get them to see that they can do it. What what can be better than that? What can be better than that? It's just the most wonderful thing. When even if they didn't do everything exactly the way you wanted them to do it, when they see themselves making some form of progress, uh, it's a very a very satisfying thing. And I, I've always enjoyed doing that, and uh, um, hope to continue in the future. And one form or another. Do you think that uh, on your upcoming uh, worldwide tour that you'll be able to teach piano? I certainly hope so. I, I hope that in the places I, I go, wherever they may end up being, that um, uh, there will be some appreciation for this sort of boogie blues style because I've been teaching it now for a few years and I would like to think that I, I know some some things about teaching it, some some of the proper ways to proceed. When you break it down into the elements uh, of Boogie Blues, is there something that you could demonstrate for us or that you could explain to our listeners? Well, the most important thing, uh, my father always said the piano is a percussion instrument, which it truly is because the hammers strike the strings. And so the, the thing I tell students quite often is that it is much better to play the wrong note on the right beat than the right note on the wrong beat. So, for example, I, let's say I set up a left hand boogie pattern, and I want to keep that pattern going, and I'm going to play something with it in the right hand, okay? And so I want to go... Now, let's say I make a little mistake. on the beat. 
it twice in a row, it'll be jazz. Whereas, if I play the right notes on the wrong beat, I'm playing the right notes, but I'm not on the right beats. So if there was one single thing that I would want to get across to people that I'm trying to teach this style to, it's that you want to keep that beat solid, even if you're playing the wrong notes. And anyone who's watched Ed Reinhardt play, for example, knows that he makes lots of mistakes when he plays. Lots of mistakes, but he lands on the beat. But he keeps the beat solid. He keeps the beat solid. And that's, uh, that's uh, probably the, the single strongest thing that I would uh, have to teach anyone. That might... Um presuppose the answer to my next question, keep the beat solid. But what I'd like to ask you is, um, what are some of your thoughts uh, that you have um, about the changes that you're about to make, about the experiences that you have had here in Mendocino County before you depart on uh, your journey? Well, one thought that I've definitely had is I'm very well aware there's no place like this place. There is no place like this place, I don't think, anywhere on Earth. I mean, I haven't been all over the Earth, but uh, uh, for the beauty of it and for the beauty of the people, so many people have moved to this area, not so they could make money, God knows, <laughs> but because they were seeking some other value. They were seeking some other, some higher value, some quality of life that was eluding them in other places. And we have a, uh, there's a tremendous number of people here that understand that and appreciate that. And all you have to do to realize that is go somewhere else, leave the county, go somewhere else, and you will find yourself among people who just haven't grasped I mean, there, there are people everywhere who have, but many people haven't grasped this. I'm going to miss that. I, I know I'm going to miss that. Uh, and uh, so I'm not under any illusions that I'm going to some place uh, that's better in that sense. I'm just going someplace different. Well, Earl or Ed, um, I'd like to thank you very much for being with us here on Radio Curious and certainly wish you uh, a wonderful journey and hope that we will hear from you and the things you learn and the fun of your travels. And before we close, I'd like to ask you to tell us about an interesting book that you've read lately. Yes, I've, uh, uh, I've been reading a book uh, by an author named Garrett Mattingly who wrote a history of the, uh, uh, um, the Spanish Armada that sailed against England in when? 1588? I haven't read it very closely, I guess. Um, and uh, what an excellent historian he is. Uh, uh, I don't think this is a recent publication. Um, I just found it among some things while I was moving and realized I hadn't read it. Uh, but I, I, like, uh, I like books that take me elsewhere and that take me elsewhen. And uh, uh, he has so much rich detail about this period of time um, that it's a very thrilling read to see these forces come together, to see how the, uh, the politics of that era were not so different from the politics of this era, even though they didn't have weapons of mass destruction. Many of the same fears and prejudices uh, were at work uh, shaping the, the forces of the, of the day. I like the concept of books that take you elsewhen as well as well elsewhere. 
I'm a time traveler. I enjoy time travel. Well, Earl Dixon and Ed Reinhardt, thank you very much for joining us on Radio Curious. It's been our pleasure. As you may have perceived, Earl Dixon and Ed Reinhardt are quite similar. They will be playing together at the Sundays in the Park music series in Ukiah on Sunday, July 14th at 6 p.m. in Todd Grove Park in a concert that is free and open to anyone who comes. The book that Earl and Ed recommend for us to read is called Armada by Garrett Mattingly. There are over 750 archives on our website, radiocurious.org, and I'm honored to tell you that Radio Curious is now part of the collection at the Library of Congress. We appreciate your cards, ideas, and letters, and do enjoy hearing from you. The email is curious at radiocurious.org. The postal address is 700 West Smith Street, Ukiah, California, 95482. The phone is 707-621-5075. Ignacio Ayala is the assistant producer. I'm host and producer, Barry Vogel. Thank you for listening.